Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing. Happy holiday. The holiday season and Santa Claus is coming round. The Christmas snow is white on the ground. When old Santa gets into town, he'll be coming down the chimney down. He'll be coming down the chimney down. It's the holiday season. It's still the holiday season. And we're here. And whoop dee doo. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And Samuel, uh, last episode. Um, killed Santa for us. No, completely. no, I didn't kill Santa. Which is fine. He says he believes in the magic of Santa. The idea. The, in the idea of the that an actual man came came before in uh-huh. history and yeah. started this tradition. But uh, You set me up for that. I don't think I did, Samuel. I think you intended to have me do that. So this is on you. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, happy holidays to you. We hope you're enjoying this wonderful, wonderful time this holiday time we certainly are here on the mountain podcast i'm joined with me as always my good friend and lead pastor of the mountain church samuel goulet hey buddy how you doing man i'm doing great we are continuing our talks on narrative journeys um last week we had a wonderful guest on the show she's a friend of ours beth little we uh explored some great uh storytelling with her and how she told her story and how Jesus played such a huge part in her life and made her who she was today. And she's also part whale. Yep. It she turns speaks out. whale. It's she beautiful. She well. Fluently. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Samuel, as we were uh, concluding the podcast, I felt like we didn't have enough uh, little mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah, because her name is Beth Little. Because her name is Beth Little. Uh-huh. So I thought... What is the next best little, and who is the best next little in our lives? Yeah. And that is her husband, yeah. Scott Little, who Come is on. joining us today. Oh, thank you. I'm pleased to be here. A little more is always better. Yeah. <laughs> A little more is always better. This That's is amazing. Good. Scott, thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah. Glad to be here. Isn't it's, it terrible how us husbands have to accept the second place to our <laughs> wives? Isn't that terrible? Just it has to, you know? I switched it. I've always started telling people she married up. Yeah, yeah, she's. I'm her better half, and people think I'm awful after that. No, Here's my inferior so, half. Sorry, <laughs> it's a sign of our times that the um, guys take the second seat and the women take the first. That's true. That's true. That's all right. We're all on the same bus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah. Scott, you're here with us. We're talking narrative journeys. Um, man, we we have uh, connected with you before uh, over. Uh, impromptu cappuccinos and dinners at your house and we've talked about Jesus and what it means to your life but just to kind of start things going what <clears throat> what does Jesus mean to your life wow <laughs> what's the meaning a of real life? Sc- <laughs> real small question yeah, yeah, yeah. super small we're going to go we're going to go last we're going to go real light <laughs> on this first question <clears throat> well i mean obviously if you're a christian it means everything if, if I think you, if you call yourself a Christian, it, Jesus should be in everything in your life. It shouldn't be anything before that. Although I think that's been part of my, my walk with God is finding that place where God is first in my life. So I think I've always been sort of a contrary person. You ever see Little Big Man? 
the movie. Oh yeah, with Dennis Hoffman. Yeah, or, Dustin, yeah Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Excuse me. Yes, one of my and snake eyes. There's a um, Indian in there who um, is a contrary. Yeah. So he does everything backwards. He cleans in the dirt and, walk, and gets dirty in the water, <laughs> and he w- walks backwards. It's a he, funny movie. He says, I really like you. He means I really hate you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Which that kind of is how everyone does yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the picture of my life. I've always been sort of a contrary. I have to question everything. And it hasn't slowed down the older I get. It seems like it's getting worse. I, I really question people. I question motives. I question... If people say say something, is that true? You know, I have to search it out and find it. So I think for my walk um, in Christ, coming to know the Lord has been been that same process. You know, I accepted something, and now I have to prove it. You know, you have to, it's like it's like a, t- a proof in a mathematical sense. You prove the solution to, to see that it's true. So that's caused more problems than... Resolved, <laughs> resolved, and believe me. Do, do you think that there's a part of uh, certain minds that that need for proof or challenging an idea can be problematic for having faith? Yeah, I think it really does, and that's it, really a, where I'm pointed now after 55 years as a Christian. Yeah, is that um, I'm being pointed to, to the very beginning again, to the very simple gospel. And I heard someone complaining about, oh, we have to get beyond. I'm just a Christian, just a fallen person who's, you know, saved by grace mm-hmm. to, to go beyond that. But as a foundational truth, that, that's where we all are. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm someone lost and I'm saved by God's grace. So that's um, it's kind of what I've, I've gone full circle in a sense. And now that's the, those are the things that the challenge that I have in my life as a Christian is just leaning on that, that one truth. So in your thought process, as you're approaching your, your days and your seasons and your years, what does it look like for you to, to trust and have more faith rather than being the prober and the challenger of direction? I, I think um, it's a kind of a surrender. You know, it's, 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 it means in the end I, I have to give up that mental game. I have to put a, kind of put it aside and just say, I'm going to trust you. you know, I'm, going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in your grace. When you say your grace is sufficient, I don't have to be curious about what that means. Yeah. You know, it just means what it, what it says. It's not to be fiddled with, so to speak. Yeah. Have you noticed moments in your life where you were really able to trust? Yes. Yeah. When I was in college, I... Um, I was real active. I, I was working for Youth for Christ. I was on staff, and and at school I was really outspoken um, as a Christian. And uh, but I came to this point where I just thought, what, what am I doing? Is this is this really what Christianity is? Is that what I'm supposed to be? I'm supposed to just be a testimony. I'm just supposed to be a, a mouthpiece, you know, for some ideology. And I, um, my senior year in college, I took the year off, and um, I told myself I was going to go into the world, and I was just going to see if it was true. I wasn't going to take anything. I wasn't going to do anything. I wasn't going to um, rely upon anything except God. So I did. <laughs> I ended up going all the way around the world. I lived in Europe. I lived in Asia. I lived in um, Russia for a while, Istanbul. 
all over the place. And every time I thought I would try to figure it out, I said, no, I'm just going to let God figure it out. And he was faithful for that whole year. He was That's faithful. That's so interesting. Yeah, it was, just, it was so powerful. Did you have powerful. any jobs? or? No, I didn't work. I just bummed <laughs> around. Wow. Stayed places. That's where I went to Labrie for mm-hmm. uh, almost a year. Stayed there. And um, so it was just... Uh, just amazing. I remember um, I was on the trans not the Trans-Siberian, the um, Oriental Express, Orient Express from from Paris to Istanbul, and um, at that time it was still a Soviet Union. So you went through Bulgaria, Romania, um, through Greece, and then into um, Turkey. Hmm. And uh, it was the middle of the night, and I was on the train. Um, there was there was three Romanian women who were sitting right across from me. And um, I woke up. I had my legs across from the seat. There was two benches in, mm-hmm. the, in the compartment on the train. And I woke up, and someone was kicking me in the leg. And they're going, visa, visa, visa. So I looked up, and here's a huge, stereotypical Russian <laughs> guard. He had a green KGB. uniform on. Yeah. And he had a hat. It was tipped back and had a big hammer and sickle on the, uh, on the, ha- on the hat. And he was just sweating profusely. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, I, was oh, just, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm dead. And I sat up, <laughs> and I, I started to look for my visa. And then he, he turned his attention to the three women who, who were um, natives from his country. Mm-hmm. He got out all their... their um, traveling suitcases and stuff, and he went through all of them. And, of course, they were bringing things home from working in Europe. Yeah. Levi's for their family, nice clothes. Mm-hmm. He took all that stuff. Oh. And he packed them all up, put handcuffs on them, and took them off the train. And then he turned to me, and he said, visa. So I handed him my visa, and he said, American, you know. And he grabbed me by the arm, and he took me in the back room, and I stayed in the back room for four hours. <laughs> And I thought, sure, the train was going to leave. I would be stuck there on the border of Romania and, and uh, some other country. And uh, the whole time I had such a peace about, about it that w- because I was trusting wholly in the Lord. I think, you, you know, as a Christian, everyone should have that experience of just resting. Yeah. I think that's what you've been trying to say over the last several months about surrendering and resting in God and not worrying about the outcome, yeah. so to speak. And sure enough, uh, he came back, gave me my visa, never said a thing, and I got back on the train and left. But I, I thought for sure I was going to end up in a Romanian jail for the rest of my life. That is what's unique, I think, about humanity, is that it is, to all of our observation, the fact that anxiety doesn't add anything to no. our ability to fix the problem. Right. And yet, we still practice it. Yeah. And we still practice it in great masses. Right. Um, it's it's one of those really interesting dynamics that we know it doesn't do anything, yeah. and yet we still do it. Exactly. But I, what that does, too, is it, it built a history into my life, so I can look back and say, remember when God was faithful? Remember when, yeah. When he, when he, and That's so great. I'm prepared for the next event. Yeah, for the next big rush, and yeah. now what's your visa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> visa. Visa. <laughs> I think it's so interesting, because I'm, well, I, I'm kind of similar to you in that I'm not quite a contrarian to things, but I do question a lot of things and I question a lot of people's motives. Why are you doing this? Why? So I think it's, I think it's really beautiful though, like the contrast that you have of being someone who's like, okay, well, why or how come? But at the same time, there's this like immense faith that's in you. Like how did, how do you learn to have a balance with that? You know, I don't, I, I don't think I really have learned 
be honest with you. Sometimes I am full of faith and sometimes I'm not. Mm. You know, it comes and goes. Sometimes I question more and sometimes I'm willing to accept. So I don't know. That's why I'm. <laughs> where am I running to? I don't know. You how know? do you how do you get to those places of learning to accept? I, I I think you have to just struggle with it. I think I think that's part of every Christian. I, whether we, whether we want to believe it or not, we all have to struggle through these things. The Scripture says you should work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and that's everyone's responsibility. Don't you think, as a Christian, to yeah. do that? And so that makes us responsible to do those things. You know, that when we're faced with something, then we have to reason it. We have to look at Scripture. We have to talk to friends. We have to, you know, and we have to build our case, so to speak. Um, otherwise, I, 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 otherwise, I think you're fooling yourself or you're faking it. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I think sometimes face value, just going, yeah, okay, cool, I'll believe in that, without truly letting it be like a heartfelt decision. Yeah. It can appear to be very spiritual. Um, hey, yeah, I'll pray for your healing, brother. Uh, but are you, like, are you authentically yeah. choosing in your heart that you are going to believe for someone's healing? Yeah, yeah. It, like to me, there's a real difference, and the sincerity is: did it go to my heart, and did I say yes with my heart? Did I say it with my heart? Yeah. And that working out can be challenging because there's some places in the Bible that I've experienced where I go, oh wow. I don't, I don't even know how to believe that. I know. Yeah, go, you're just kind of scratching your head going, what the heck? Yeah. I don't know how. I, I believe God, but I don't know how to let that idea become re- real to my heart and to my transformation. Yeah. And that can be incredibly, it can feel shameful, I think. Yeah, to be it like, does. It makes me feel ashamed. Oh. Like, I mean, here I am at this, at this stage of my life, and I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm still... <laughs> Discussing, working it out. Yeah, I'm working it out. You know, you think you're supposed to like make some progress along the way, and then you become this whatever it is, yeah. Christ-like person, and uh, you just go on into heaven. But it doesn't work like that. It's just for me, anyways. I know. Maybe I'm the odd Paul. I don't know. I don't. I mean, you have it all together, right? I mean, Sam? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Sam. <laughs> Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's what's interesting is that um, you you were a pastor at one point in your life. Yes. Uh, you're also a police officer. You, there's a lot of jobs. I mean, if we went through all your jobs, it'd probably take up the rest of our podcast. You own an ice cream parlor. Also a boat. <laughs> yeah. A boat. That's something I'm always jealous about. Um, I know it's a sin, but uh, <laughs> uh, a sailboat. And so anyways, um, but you were a pastor at one point and, and I'm a pastor right now of a church and there's this dynamic where you get the sense that you're supposed to have it worked out. Yes. But I, I don't really think it's biblical, the notion of a pastor has it worked out. There, there is a higher standard. I definitely see that. We, we should be studied and learned, and we should have taken time to really mature for sure. But not perfect and complete yet yes. in the process of that James process. But there is this parts of our life that seem to press in against us, like you should be and you need to be done with your process you need to be complete and in order for you to feel confident yeah what does it look like for you to have a real confidence in incompletion um i I don't know if i have real confidence but i'm becoming more convinced that incompletion is the whole is the whole game it's the whole idea yeah it's the whole idea 
Yeah. To see your failures and especially, I mean, you're talking about being a pastor, that uh, um, being vulnerable in that I think is really important as a, for a pastor to have equity with his congregation and and it makes it it makes the whole process to me it makes it more real in a sense to see that we're all kind of in the same boat because when I look up and I see someone a TV evangelist who just you know I got the money got the fame got the everything and then makes the claims all these claims about his faith and his his God it just doesn't seem real to me it doesn't seem it's not my journey it doesn't relate to me in any way so when I see people that relate to me I I feel affinity, and I think that's really a good thing. I think we need that. Otherwise, we can't have community. We can't. You can't share with someone. Is what if I go share something with him? I'm having a problem with such and such. What's he going to say? Oh, you're a bad person, and you're going to just feel shame and guilt, and you're not going to feel wholeness or acceptance or love, which is what you should be feeling. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's really interesting the dynamic of our journey, and as we walk with God and the challenge of our current state and then where we can see clearly his standard is and that challenge that exists between that gap. Um, and it seems to always be there. Yeah. It's really frustrating to me because I always assumed that it wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. But now since it's not going away, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming, oh, After maybe it's years. supposed to be here. <laughs> that may be a concession on my part, but... <laughs> I mean, it still may not be true, you know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but I think it seems more genuine. Yeah. In any case, at least to be honest about it, you yeah. know, which it, is embarrassing to me because, I mean, geez, <laughs> I've been a Christian for a really long time. I think I would have something figured out, but the only thing I figured out is that God loves me, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And then I have to just accept it. I have to, even when I don't feel like, you know, I should be loved. It seems to me that that's where the Beatitudes point to for me, is buying into that margin and buying into that perception, like poor in spirit, meek, yeah, yeah. hunger and thirst. It doesn't really speak to the blessed of those that are complete, right? blessed to those that are persecuted and see trouble because of him. It seems to me that that's what that teachings all about is it points to these places of a gap between you and that which is perfection and completion yeah how did how did you and your wife meet because you know i know that you were in in russia and a guy tried to capture you and everything like that. <laughs> you're living by faith um for those who don't know uh, like i said in the intro we had uh scott's wife beth who was on the show last week and she shared her incredible journey and what Christ has done for her about how she was a shy person before. And then once God invaded her life and really like, well, not invaded, but like really was more prevalent and prominent in her life. Uh, she began to open up and her shell was opened. And she is to me, one of the most easiest people to approach. I mean, you and your wife. Um, so I always thought that she's was super like, hard right? to me, <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's just this wonderful person. And I'm like, man, this is so, and then hearing your story, I'm like, gosh, I wonder how these two came together. So how did you and your journey come together with uh, Beth? So I had just finished my tours of the world and I came back to, um, Southern California and I met some other friends, uh, 
some Christian friends, and we decided to just get together and have a Bible study, and one of those friends invited Beth, and that we met at the Bible study. Yeah. And then you guys have a really interesting story together that I've heard before, um, that you were married for how many years? We were married for 16 years, mm-hmm. and then we got divorced, mm-hmm. and we were separated for five years and then remarried. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. So we've been married for 22 years now, second time around, mm-hmm. and uh, really powerful um, learning experience Yeah, both of us. Yeah. There's, there's something interesting I've found in, in my marriage with Jess um, that my story with God was not disconnected from hers. Uh, how have you seen the two of your stories and, and the way God's worked with each one of you be connected together? Oh, wow. It, it's weird because when I think about it, I think about the separation and we kind of went in opposite directions. And she ended up in Europe, living in England for three or four years. And then, but like, the, I could see the path coming back. Hmm. So we, we, we just came, we came back together and um, she returned to the United States and was living in uh, Northern California and I was living in LA. And part of the divorce um, agreement was that she would get my little Miata, which I loved. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so when she came back, she she wanted to get the car. So anyway, I drove it up to her, and um, it was just like it was just a reconnection. It was really strange, and um, so I said, let me have the car for a little while longer, and then you can come down and get it, and I'll I'll be done. Let me I have to get something to take. That's to say goodbye to it. Yeah, give me my time. Yeah, <laughs> go for a win, nice long trip and down the Pacific Coast Highway, <laughs> drive it into the ground. Yeah. So it'll work for her. <laughs> Yeah, I left it right here. I don't know what happened. Tires were really good when I drove it. (laughs) Oh, well, well, here are the keys. (laughs) So um, we were sitting on my boat. I was living in the harbor then, in L.A. Harbor, my boat. And um, she just sat. We were sitting there, and she was getting ready to take off. She said, you want to get back together? I said, yeah. We're just like that. (laughs) Wow. so, uh, yeah, so we did. Uh, you didn't tell her then, but you really just wanted your car back. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I want my blue Miata back. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I always love that story. I was, I've heard it from you guys before. And there's a real significance to me in, in the way God works with our hearts and the way he, he crafts people together and uh, he works their faith out together. Yeah, yeah. And it's really amazing. Yeah. Well, I think for both of us, especially for me, it was putting God first. Mm. So that separation time was a time that I, I put God first mm. in my life, you know. So I was always praying for her and stuff. One day the Lord just said, don't pray for her. He just said, don't pray for her. I go, what? He says, don't pray for her right now. And then um, just before she came back to the um, United States from England, uh, I was driving to school one day, and she and I heard the Lord just say, "Okay, pray." And then within two weeks, she was back in the U.S. and and then uh, our journey started together again. Shortly after that, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's like another connection point for you that God spoke clearly, yeah. and you just had to trust. Yeah, you didn't know why. Yeah, to stop. Exactly. You didn't know why to start. Yeah, and it's interesting that for you there was such a significance over the way God has worked with you to just trust Him. I actually feel like I have a connection to that as well because I, I, I think wise and understanding <laughs> and knowledge yeah. and those moments where God's just like, boom. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. So I, 
I want to ask why and understand, <laughs> but it, it, there's those moments in partnership with God where it feels like to need to know is like a violation of trust. Yeah, exactly. I agree. hundred percent. I think sometimes people take this as like the dumb faith stuff where it's just a dumb Christian and an ignorant yeah. without understanding. And, and I really am not communicating that at all. Uh, cause I think you can have intelligent faith that understands the word, that has wisdom, that has understanding, has knowledge. But there's moments in our life where God speaks to us to be obedient and to ask or need a why. To be obedient is where I've noticed that there's a real issue with faith. Right. Yeah, the foundation of faith is, is uh, I, I think, is key because when we start having, the, when we start having to have to question our faith, right, let me put this a different way. When, when we're believing, when we're trusting, when we're resting in God, we don't need to ask. You don't really don't need to. You know, it's when you're not that you have to question because you want to answer. But when, when, you're, when it's just like, I don't have to worry, God is with me. Yeah. When you have, when you have that connection, which is rare, I think, for me it is. It's not a thing that is real consistent in my life. But there are definitely times when that dynamic is very, very present. Yeah. You don't need to ask the question. And it's not a matter of either or. You know, it's simply, yes, I can, I, it doesn't matter because I'm going to trust. Yeah. You know, and there's a joy in that, you know. Because that doesn't really exist very much in our life. That I, ability to, yeah. to trust blindly without yeah. measuring. Yeah. Without calculating, without really prodding. Yeah. Business, you have to. Once you see that, and once you experience too it in your Christian walk, I mean, for me, that is the goal. Yeah. To be walking like that constantly. And I don't, I don't know why I don't, you know. But maybe it's just, you know, we believe in part, we see in part. Faith, hope, and love. I, I can understand the faith, I can understand the love, but I could never understand hope. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. hope is that thing that you wish for. Hope, yeah. hope is out of it's out of it's out of our hands, so to speak. It's just it's an it's an ethereal thing. It's a thing that happens inside our mind mm -hmm. that we hope. Yeah. But if you have someone to hope on or hope in, mm -hmm. that makes a difference. So Yeah. Hope's always been the the strange one to me. Yeah. Same. I, really? Yeah, well because I you know, in my mind that quote about hope isn't a strategy. I always think about that. So true. Like, hope's not a strategy. Yeah, I know, really. It's not smart. It's not a plan. It's not a plan. What is this? Hope? But I, I think there is that interesting aspect of hope in God. And, and I, I wonder the difference between hoping and having that hope in God versus having hope in man or in mankind. What do you think that looks like? I don't know. Maybe we get those confused. Maybe we try to make one the other, and it's just not... The case because we can hope in God. Yeah, you know, the question is, what are we hoping for? <laughs> you know, if I'm hoping for a million dollars, or a blue Miati. Yeah, a blue Miati. <laughs> <laughs> then that might mean something different. But if if I'm simply satisfied with God Himself, I mean, it answers the question, doesn't it? I don't need to worry about anything else. Yeah, yeah. It's just getting there. It's just. How do you lock yourself into that? There's so many good books out there like that kind of explain it, like abiding, 
abiding in God. Yeah. Continu- continually abiding. I read that book. It was profound for me. I think you've, you've said the same thing. Yeah. 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 Abiding for for the first probably six months to a year of my authentic walk with God. Yeah. At like 18, 19, yeah. abiding was my fixation. Yeah, yeah. It was the most interesting idea to me that to live in him and him live in you would be the fruitfulness of the Christian walk. Yeah, exactly. Like it talks about in John, that to me is so, the word abiding then has so much significance because if somebody's asking, hey, what's the key to acting like a Christian? Living in God. Yeah. And that concept is very abstract and yet very real. Yeah. The life of God comes from God, doesn't come, we don't generate it ourselves. Oh, that's really great. It comes from God. So that's that's the whole abiding thing, right? Mm -hmm. It seems so simple, but it's real difficult. Yeah, it, like, it is. Why like is that? The concept. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right there. I just thought it was so interesting. Like, oh, well, of, well, of course. Like, duh. Like, that makes so much sense. And then you get to it and you're like, well, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Like, yeah. you look, uh, here in our offices, we have this mountain that's right now. We have the mountain church, and there's a mountain right next to our campus. Yeah. And uh, I always think, oh, no sweat because it, it's not really a steep mountain and there's ways to climb up it and yeah once you get to the base of this thing <laughs> and you're like oh oh no this is an actual mountain <laughs> oh no okay you have to sweat to i'm gonna have to like actually use my hands to climb up oh these are like jagged rocks that are yeah. slicing my palms my yeah. little dainty video game palms <laughs> um this is unbelievable like that, that and that's how i i see it sometimes it's like as like living in Christ, well, well, duh, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be doing that. And then once you get to the base and the root of that belief, it's like, oh, wait, this is a, this is a lot bigger yeah. than it needs. But, but, but when you get to the top of it, yeah, when you reach the summit of this relationship of knowing who God is in you and you and him, uh, the, the view is amazing. Yeah. The view is outstanding. Standing. That's yeah. interesting. The top has always been like, you know, when you're climbing a mountain and you think, I think that's the top. But once you get there, there's <laughs> about like another thousand feet yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. wait a second. This, is, mis- this is the most misleading mountain I've ever <laughs> seen. That's how I felt about the top of every mountain I've ever gotten that's to. That's about right. God. I'm like, I'm still. Oh, I'm not there. <laughs> you're so excited and you're like, yeah. And then you're like, oh no, another thing. But I think that that cost point. And really measuring that sacrifice is so significant because he's like, hey, you want to live in me, it's going to cost you your life. Yeah. I think maybe that's why it takes a lifetime of walking with him. Maybe. I know in, in my walk, I, I went through this whole period for several years where liberty was the key word in my life. And uh, I felt that the Lord had given that to me. He gave me liberty. Mm-hmm. And I began to look at my Christianity um, that I was free from sin, I was free from the law, um, so now I can just go and do whatever I want. But it wasn't that. But I, that's, don't get, don't misunderstand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, before you take this as anything, before no. you take this, the liberty has to do with now that I'm free in Christ. That I do have liberty to go and be an artist, or go and be a correctional officer, or yeah. go unless God directly tells me, I want you to do this. Right. I have liberty. So it's kind of like. Schaefer gives this example of the liberty we have is like this top of this table. And so we can go anywhere we want on the table. 
But we can't go if we go too far on the edge or we're going to fall off. And then yeah. we'll be out of the Christian context. Of liberty. Of liberty. Yeah. Right? So we have freedom to do that. So that was liberating for me. Mm -hmm. Liberty was liberating. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, huh? <laughs> so um, so I, I, continuum. I felt a real freedom in my heart. To, oh, I can do pretty much what I want. The will of God for me is that I live in liberty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's funny because over a period of about six years... That began to like lose its luster, so to speak. And I finally came to this wall, which was surrender. So at some point, you take your liberty and you lay it at the cross, right? Mm -hmm. So that everything is God's. Mm -hmm. So he gives us liberty. We have joy in that. He frees us from sin. He frees us from condemnation. And we live in that liberty. And I guess maybe... We're allowed to live in that liberty as long as God wants us to until we come face to face with the fact that at some point you have to surrender that even to God mm. yeah. and make him Lord. He has to be Lord. Mm -hmm. He's the Lord of the whole of our lives, not just this little aspect or Sunday or Wednesday night or whatever. That has been the most challenging thing about the journey of Christianity to me is that my, my treasured revelation one day is if I'm not careful, my bondage two but, years from now. Yeah. Because if I be, make that my fixation, I make that my Lord, I make that my cornerstone, the idea that God gave me can strangely become my God. And that has been the most trippy, Whoa. weirdest <laughs> concept that I, I got to hold these ideas or perspectives of God's ideas really loosely. Mm. And and be willing to let it evolve, yeah. let it change, yeah. let it grow. And it's been one of those moments where it's like liberty then became the thing you need to surrender. The yeah. thing God gave you for sure yeah. is the thing you're like, okay, now it's time to give right. it back, surrender yeah, it, yeah. lay it down. That was just, it's just this is what it means to be my son. You know, this is what you need to do. It's a whole, it's the picture of the bond servant, you know, who's been a slave his whole life, and then his, the master says, all right, you're free, but then he says, no, I love you, I love, I love being here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to bind myself to you. Yeah, doesn't he, I'm like, gonna, so, yeah, and they put their, ear in yeah, the they go put to the door, door jam and put a, a an nail through it, right? Uh, yeah, he, the master would punch an awl through it and then give you an earring, and that earring was a symbol to, of your bondage. Once I again, I feel like a simple "I'm with you for life" would have done for me. I know, really. <laughs> Maybe a ring, you. a yeah. little nice yeah. ring. Yeah, hey, just believe me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to stab my ear. With a hey, what do you ring what, on it? What do you do with that hammer? <laughs> what are you doing with my ear? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> this is confusing. Well, to sort of wrap this up. Um, I wanted to get you to, you know, some of your final thoughts on, you know, someone who's going on their narrative journey may be experiencing uh, the same things that you may experience in your life um, as far as faith, hope deferred, or maybe hope filled. What are, uh, what's one thing that you could tell people who may be uh, experiencing the same thing you've experienced in your narrative? Hmm. You know, I think um, we always hear about... We're supposed to continue on, don't give up, you know, that whole, that whole thing. But um, when it comes to faith, I think as Paul talks about the obedience of faith. Be obedient to faith. So when we're disobedient, we can be obedient by saying, God, I believe you. 
you know, uh, it's, it's an act of our will. It's an act of submission to God. And um, so I think to keep on keeping on, we should just simply say that um, I'm going to believe you and that we should obey faith. We should always be in faith. There it is. Believe, have faith. Uh, once again, I want to thank Scott for being here. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, this yeah, was, was awesome. Fun. This was a wonderful discussion. Always fun to talk to you guys. Yeah. We appreciate having <laughs> we'll you on. We'll continue it down at Starbucks in a little while. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Exactly. Off the podcast. <laughs> Anybody wants to hear it has to come to Starbucks. <laughs> yep. Um, but we want to thank all of you for joining us. If you haven't already and this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. There's a ton of great stuff and content on this podcast we want you guys to get a hold of. Uh, rate and review. That always helps. Um, in the meantime, again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Yeah. My name is Donovan. I'm Samuel. We'll talk to you guys next time. leave a peppermint stick for old St. Nick hanging on the Christmas tree. It's the holiday season. The holiday season. So hoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock. Don't forget to hang up your sock. Because just exactly at 12 o'clock, he'll be coming down the chimney down. Peppermint stick for old Saint Nick hanging on a Christmas tree.